This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Top of the 9 o'clock hour, everybody. Welcome back to the WIP Morning Show on this Wednesday morning. John Johnson and Marcus Hayes talking heavy eagles as we inch closer to another pivotal game, just two remaining in the regular season, this one against the Saints with a chance to wrap up the number one seed. But another team right now who uh, went on a wonderful winning streak and will be at the you know, the forefront of Philadelphia sports talk at a certain point in time once the season comes to a close. I got a lot of questions about the Sixers right now. They played last night, but they had an eight-game winning streak prior. Nice enough to join us on the line to talk all things 76ers. That's a great job covering them for the Daily Six newsletter, Derek Bodner. Good morning, Derek. Good morning, John. Well, Derek, um, uh, before I even talk about or ask about the game last night, I got to go back to Christmas. And Christmas Day, NBA slate. Sixers kick it off against the Knicks at the Garden. It's a massive day for the league. And an hour before a story comes out about James Harden maybe not wanting to stay here, Derek, why? Yeah, the timing of that was impeccable, wasn't it? We all We all had stuff to do. <laughs> Yeah. Um, look, I think it's clear that, that a couple things. You know, I think in the week leading up, I had had Euron Weitzman on my podcast, and he is a, a national columnist for Fox Sports. And one of the things he, he wrote a big in-depth feature about James Harden. One of the things he mentioned was that James Harden was, you know, for lack of a better word, a little bit homesick. All of his family had moved to Houston over the past decade. Um, he really enjoyed playing there, yada, yada, yada. But really what I think this comes down to is, you know, I think James Harden knows he needs leverage next summer to get the most out of the Sixers in free agency. I think in order to do that, you need a team with cap space that would have interest in James Harden who would actually be viable, uh, a viable threat to sign him. And I think his former team, who he still has a lot of family in, uh, who will have max cap space for multiple different uh, – they could sign multiple max players, uh, is maybe the perfect person to, or per- perfect organization to apply that leverage. Most teams that would have cap space – wouldn't be viable as someone who would sign James Harden, both because they wouldn't want Harden in sort of like that life cycle of their rebuild and also because Harden wouldn't have interest in going there. To me, I didn't necessarily read that as he wants out of Philadelphia. I read that as he needs to apply a little bit of pressure um, to get the contract that I think he's going to want in the summer. Obviously, there is still six-plus months of stuff that could shake out between now and then, both in terms of the Sixers maybe underachieving or any kind of tension that could flare up between Harden and some of the key players. Yeah. Uh, but I read that mostly as a leverage play. Um, do you, I mean, if it's 
assuming it's a leverage play, and he didn't deny uh, the story when asked about it afterwards. He just didn't like the time. He didn't like being asked about it on Christmas, even though clearly he gave the approval to put it out there. Um, do you get the sense at all that there is, I don't want to say trouble in the water, is there a good relationship between uh, Harden and, and, and Joel and, and Harden and Doc Rivers? Well, I thought the Harden and Doc Rivers one would be mostly irrelevant because, quite frankly, if they got to the point where James Harden was like, I want to come back, but I don't like Doc, I think Doc would be out of there pretty quickly. Uh, okay. I think in this league you choose stars over coaches. Coaches are replaceable. That's not even saying anything about Doc or his, his ability to coach. It's just the reality of the league that you play in. Uh, in terms of Embiid, I certainly don't think there's anything wrong between them, uh, but I think it's probably a little more workmanlike. Uh, okay. I'm not sure if there's a super tight bond. I think part of that is because you know they just had not been – together all that long part of it is because Joel is a little bit of an introverted personality that keeps to himself but I've certainly heard nothing that there is something wrong that would you know cause Harden to ask out it just maybe not tight enough where that bond would be something you could bank on coming into free agency so Sixers as we sit here on a Wednesday morning are 20 and 13 on the season they had their winning streak uh, come to a close last night in DC Uh, but what we saw to close out this game was a familiar sight Derek, do the Sixers have problems closing out games? Certainly do at times. Uh, they will have some games where they look pretty strong closing out. You don't have to go that far back. The Clippers game was a good example of that. They mm. will have some games where they execute well down the stretch, where they're playing together, where they're getting the most out of that sort of Harden and beat two-man game. And then they will have games like last night where they just go ISO fest for the last six minutes, turn the ball over seemingly half times down the court, and don't really play any defense to close it out. They are inconsistent closing it out for sure. Uh, you know, I think uh, the really frustrating thing is there were instances in that game of the Harden and Bead pick and roll, of the Harden and Bead dribble handoff, where everything was working well and they were generating good looks every time down the floor. Yeah. And then they just sort of went to hero ball. It was a little bit confounding. You know, I think part of, one of the real takeaways from that eight-game winning streak was that they just sort of, you know, there weren't all that many instances of them playing a picture-perfect basketball, but they played consistent basketball with consistent mm-hmm. effort and didn't really make too many mistakes. You saw some mistakes there against the Knicks and a lot of mistakes there against the Wizards. That was a, a serious step back for sure. Well, and referencing, I suppose, those two and closing out games, because it's a fear every Sixers fan has had for multiple seasons now. Uh, and I suppose you know, the, the one, the mainstay the whole time has been Joel. Does he, is it like what we are seeing from him, and he's on a tremendous historic streak right now, which I'll, I'll, I'll bring up in just a moment. But when it comes to these close games where you have to close it out, Far too often, he resorts to hero ball. Is this a, a a flaw that will never be corrected, in your opinion, or just you know something that they'll be able to work out of him? Yeah, I certainly think it's harder for someone in Joel's position than it would be for a a sort of a, a, a high level guard, a Steph Curry type player, to execute like that. I think it's easier to double team. I think that's one of the big reasons he's mm. tried to really make himself much more of a face up threat over the years. You know, but I. Yeah, I, th- I think the hero ball thing is something that way too many stars and coaches tend to favor in part because it's supposed to limit your turnovers, right. which is not what we saw last night and not what we often see when Embiid tries to put the, the ball on the floor a lot. Um, I think it's I think the Sixers need a real high-level scoring guard. I think James Harden, what's frustrating is James Harden throughout the course of that game last night was that, especially when Embiid was on the bench to start the fourth quarter. Uh, I do think Embiid would be better served if he had a, a star-level guard creator um, and that's what you hope Harden can can be for them. Hmm. 
So the run Joel Embiid has been on for three-plus weeks now, historic. The points he's putting up, he has been magnificent to watch. But it certainly comes at at somewhat of a price where you don't see the same effort uh, when it comes to rebounding or sometimes second-chance points or getting – I guess it all goes back to rebounding. Um, Is this good or bad for the Sixers, what we're watching Embiid do? I know it sounds ridiculous to say because of the numbers he is putting up – but what he is doing, will this win for them when it matters? Yeah, I mean, that, the the rebounding on this team is disastrous. Um, and when you talk about last night's game, uh, yeah, the front, the play down the stretch was frustrating, but the defense in the second half was inexcusable. And that's really where I think they put themselves in a position where they could lose a game like that. Um, and a big part of that was defensive rebounding. And part of that is on Joel Embiid. You know, he's averaging under 10 rebounds per game, and the Sixers are not a good rebounding team even when he's on the floor. But a big part of that is is his teammates, too. You know, when he rotates to help, you've got to help the helper. And the Sixers don't do that at all. Um, Tobias Harris is flat-footed way too often. James Harden is flat-footed. Even P.J. Tucker here has not been, I think, the, the impact player on the defensive glass that you need him to be. They just don't have very many players who even really look to contribute when Joel Embiid does have to rotate and put out the fires on the perimeter. I think mm. it's, it's part Embiid, and he's certainly, I don't think, moving around as much He's not rebounding outside of his area as much as he did in previous years. I think part of that comes down to the fact that, you know, he is asked to do so much offensively. But I do think I put a, a good chunk of the blame on his teammates, too. You need more out of those guys, um, you know, and big bodies like like Harden, like Tobias Harris, like George Niang, like P.J. Tucker. You need more out of them to crash the glass. They are rebounding like a team uh, that just does does not have anyone else that's really contributing on that. And I think the loss of Ben Simmons, I mean, nobody wants to bring – and look, Ben's got his flaws – he would certainly at least help out in that capacity, right. uh, and they have not had anyone else really do that during Embiid's tenure. Final question I have for you, Derek. You mentioned Tobias Harris, and there's been a handful of rumors floating out there of interest in him. And listen, we're I guess we're approaching January, so we're about to hit that time where the rumors go flying. Um, I, what you have heard, well, I suppose, what have you heard? Do you think any of it's legit? And uh, would you be willing to trade Tobias for you know for what you are hearing? Yeah, I, well, I certainly think that talks are legit i think whenever you have a player like Tobias, who's taking up about a third of your salary cap um there's always going to be talk around that player especially when they're not a superstar i do think getting any kind of because the six are in a spot here and i mean we just talked about james harden and whether he might look to leave part of that will come down to postseason success when you look at Tobias harris and you're looking at a trade you need someone who's going to be a contributor and someone who's going to be a contributor in that role um i think tobias has done a really commendable job being a lot more comfortable to shoot from the perimeter, to shoot on a high volume from the perimeter, to shoot through slumps. Things that in previous years that were causing him to second guess and hesitate, I think he's been doing what you filling the role that you want him to fill. Uh, so I think if you do trade him, you actually need to bring back a contributor, not just someone who has maybe a more palatable salary. And I think that's going to be tough. Uh, I would be surprised if they find a trade that makes a lot of sense for Tobias Harris right now. I think if, if he is moved, it will be in the summer mm. um, when he becomes an expiring contract. But I think right now they need his contributions, uh, and I think any team looking to acquire him, it would be it would be tough for me to see someone that would have this kind of salary to send back that would make that trade legal and also give the Sixers what they want on the basketball court. If you are a big Sixers fan, a big NBA fan, subscribe to the Daily Six newsletter. It's well worth just a few dollars, and it's brilliant writing by the one and only Derek Bodner. If you want uh, links to all things Derek, latest Sixers news, at Derek Bodner NBA. Derek, thanks, man. Yep, thank you, John. All right. Marcus, something that is 
very frustrating watching the Sixers team. Listen, they're above 500, right? But they have high expectations. Game in and game out, they put themselves in these situations where they have to climb out of holes. And one of the chief reasons is effort. It comes down to just lack of willingness to put the effort into rebound or to play transition defense. Can you get that out of a team like this? Or you kind of accept it as is because it's the, 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 the midpoint of a regular season? I don't think James Harden has ever been accused of trying too hard. <laughs> but but again, it's more than just him, Harden, though, right? I mean, it's, it's several guy, players. He's he's the guy, he's the guy defending, quote unquote, on the perimeter. You know, he's the guy running the offense, and he's doing a better job running the offense this year than last year. And it's the kind of player he needs to evolve into being. What I took from Derek's uh, Derek's observations are, as I've said since they traded Drew Holiday foolishly they need you you can't win in the nba without an actual point guard and they still don't have one james harden's not a point guard hmm. ben simmons wasn't a point guard yeah you know they made a choice during the process which was ridiculous to actively avoid veteran point guards so they could lose more games which affected the development of joel Embiid, okafor and nerland's noel so they've made this bet and for some reason, this front office, in all of its iterations, places no importance on a playmaking defensive point guard. So that's part A. Part B, if Joel Embiid is down two rebounds a game, it's because he doesn't. He's not playing hard. To your point, he needs to play harder on the defensive end. He's most of his, but most of the deficiency is on the defensive boards. And he's just not playing as hard as he was. He's not playing as hard defensively as he was. I get torn because, in fairness, as Derek pointed out, some of these guys are just staying there flat-footed while watching him do everything. That's not accurate. So he feels like no. he's got to go that extra mile, so no. he's, get, he's getting not, tired. That's not. You yeah. don't think that's no, the case? that's not the case. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, um, he is not bringing the same energy and efficiency. Like, Joel Embiid is a really, really, really elite defensive player. No one looks more flat-footed on defense more frequently than Joel Embiid. And when he does commit, when he does commit to help, he is staying out there. Mm. He's not returning. So, you know, and it's, you know, let's be honest. You've got a seven-foot-two guy with a gigantic wingspan. You expect him to get the rebounds that come toward him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, so, no. I mean, if Joel Embiid is down two rebounds a game, it's not – it's not tire, it's not uh, – um, Tobias Harris's fault, and it certainly isn't PJ Tucker's fault. You want to talk about effort? He's the he's, he's playing the guy with who's bad playing hand. hard, yeah. and he's and he's a, he plays hard. The only reason he gets you know the contract he gets because he plays hard. But you know, Joel, I, I will not defend certainly James Harden in the effort. But Joel Embiid not getting rebounds has nothing to do with anybody else on the court except Joel Embiid. Kyle's on WIP. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling, happy in, Kyle. Kwanzaa and happy holiday to everybody. Good I have holidays. one question. Uh-huh. Can Jacoby Dean be used like uh, Dawkins? What, how, what can we do to get him on the field? Uh, cut Kaiser White. And I'll hang White. up, guys, and I'll listen to you. Thank <laughs> you, cut, you. You cut Kaiser White, who's probably been the biggest defensive disappointment this year. I, I don't know what you think, John, but I, he's been he's kind of been absent. He's been kind of. Uh, uh, my uh, my contention at the beginning of the year was that either T.J. Edwards or Kaiser White yeah. would play poorly enough that Nakobe Dean would get a chance to make plays right. as a rookie. Right, that hasn't happened. No, except for you know some garbage time when he had six tackles in about thirty five seconds. 
But, I mean, you know, and I guess this kind of answers the question, too. In the end, they're going to play the most talented players. I mean, if, if the Kobe Dean no. it just dazzles them, he's going to find playing time, we, but we he's have, not getting we it. We have seen Howie Roseman What's Ky- Kaiser was not making a ton of money. He's making like three million bucks, but yeah. he was the answer. He's Howie Roseman the answer. And you cannot dispute, despite all your Howie love, that Howie Roseman doesn't favor his guys. No, no, no. I and listen. I'm. I think I'm fair on Howie Roseman. I, I don't fall head over heels and swoon over him. I, I've been very critical of him, but I. This is always. It, been it a certainly sounds like Nicobe Dean is not. I mean, he, he hasn't done anything to impress them at all to warrant playing time. Well, we don't. We don't know that. Well, what we do know is that they told us that they had the their answer at linebacker. In T.J. Edwards, who's leading the team in tackles again, and has is been being he's been very, very good, and Kaiser White, who has not been very good. So you know, I don't see all of the practices, right? All right, but you don't think it comes down to simple at this point in the season, simple favoritism? Absolutely, you think so? Absolutely. I, I, I've, I, again, from my perspective. Kaiser White is the biggest disappointment on defense, and it's not close. Right. And it's a pretty good defense, right? He doesn't make plays, and to, you know, Nicobe Dean was drafted out of Georgia as the defensive player of the year, right? Yeah, steal of the draft, right? And he, given his very limited chances, he has looked like the steal of the draft. So I would, I would, hmm. I, I'm a big Nicobe Dean uh, uh, proponent. I think that guys who make play at big at big college programs and big moments make plays in the NFL. Two one five five nine two nine four nine four. I see Rick and John and Kenny and Matt oh, and Andy and Joe. Kyle gotta... hates chocolate. What's he didn't even stay for the chocolate. Display. No, he just wanted to get that out of there. He wanted yeah. to know why Nicobe Dean wasn't playing. It's a Prize Wheel Wednesday. It's National Chocolate Candy Day. I gotta make it simple. I want to. Ha- I want to clear the prize wheel. We still have one, two, three, four, five, six, half the wheel available from a fifty dollars gift card to Metro Diner, hand and stone gift card, gift card to Wawa, gift card to Captain Chucky's Crab Cake Company, Boston Market, and everything else in between. Uh, simple question. In addition to your sports point, uh, give us. A piece of candy that has chocolate in it could be the primary ingredient or uh, a part of said. And we have a lot of suggestions. If you if you guess it, uh, it's already been guessed. We'll give you a second chance. Perfect time to jump aboard. It's nine nineteen. All right, nine twenty five. Welcome back to the morning show. For you uh, Eagles and NFL fans out there, we do have. Uh, it's not quite breaking news. I mean, it's within the last ninety minutes. But I don't know if this is good or bad. It's good from an entertainment standpoint, depending on where your allegiance lies. But according to Ian Rappaport, it has been a now, or according to his sources, the Washington Commanders are making another change at quarterback. Taylor Heineke is headed back to the bench. Your new starter, Carson Wentz. This Sunday in the uh, Commanders take on the Browns. Uh, Marcus Hayes, your thoughts? Well, you know, the the – the entity I root for more than any other in every sport is who? The story. Me. <laughs> well, this is an amazing. I'm great a huge for you. fan of me because this means possibly, if I'm not, if I'm reading this correctly, the Eagles, if they get the number one seed, and the Commanders beat the Vikings, who everybody has been able to, been within arm's reach of beating, okay. right this oh. year, All right. they would face the Commanders in the second round in the divisional series, <gasps> right? If the okay, divisional, so, divisional so it round. okay, and that would mean they would avoid the Cowboys, who I think we agree is probably the second best team in the NFC. And if you believe Minnesota is, well, Minnesota has lost to Washington already, so they could face Dallas in the oh, NFC no. Championship oh. game, oh. 
right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, if you look across the aisle, they could be going to, what is it, Glendale, Arizona? <laughs> yes, Arizona, yes. Yeah, and face either Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs or Doug Peterson and those Jacksonville Jaguars who are in first place right now in the AFC garbage division. Uh, Marcus, I know you root for the story. I mean, that's your job. But I can tell you right now, every Philadelphia Eagles fan, that is a dream scenario. Wouldn't that be awesome? To face Carson Wentz, followed by the Dallas Cowboys, and then either Andy Reid or Doug Peterson in the Super Bowl? I think people would rather face Andy Reid. Agreed. Because beating Doug Peterson would be bittersweet because Doug is a – you know, a, a revered character by many still here and always will be. I'll be rooting for him and, in the playoffs. And, you know, his firing, you know, people, are, people root for Doug Peterson, and his firing was abjectly, you know, just ridiculously unfair. Or at least that's the general consensus, and that's how I feel. Oh. But, yeah, what a great storyline of January stories that would be. I mean, we would staff a Carson Wentz. <laughs> if Carson Wentz starts in the playoffs. Yeah. We would have at least one person in Minnesota, if, and we would probably have somebody at, at uh, Dallas, Tampa, if that's the matchup. You'd probably well, if it falls the Those way that you are hoping, you at the Inquirer would have like more than one because if if Washington wins, they're coming to Philadelphia with Carson Wentz and Ron Rivera. Who's uh, who was yeah, the linebackers yeah, coach yeah. here not long okay, ago? Yeah. You know, it's a it's a yeah. lesser storyline, no, but it's a it's yeah. a it's a team who's be still being investigated by oh Congress. My God, oh the the thought, and again, Wentz has to be successful for this to happen. Against, He's done nothing to support and that. People will be rooting for Wentz. Some people will be rooting for Wentz this weekend. Yeah, because they they're facing the Browns, who everybody hates because of Deshaun Watson. Sure. Oh my goodness. Wentz, followed by the Cowboys, followed by hopefully Andy Reid. Well, then again, that means I'd be rooting for Andy Reid to make the Super Bowl, which I won't be doing. Ooh, man. I don't know. People, A lot of people here still love Andy I'll be Reed. rooting for Doug. I'm rooting for Doug. Over Andy. All, who's, the whole way. Who's gotten, you know, who's gotten his, and you know, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. But can you imagine Doug Peterson going to the Super Bowl with arguably the worst franchise in NFL history in his first season following Urban Meyer – Right, mm-hmm. going back to the Super Bowl and facing the team that shouldn't have fired him and winning. There will be Eagles fans who will not have a rooting interest in the game if that ever happened. I don't know what you mean. They would be so torn because of what Doug Peterson did for them that they may not like, like not, root against like, them, but they like, would just wa- objectively watch the Super I th- Bowl. I think there would be like six of those people. <laughs> <laughs> I think the rest would want a second <laughs> ring. Rick and Doylestown's on WIP. Hey, Rick. Good morning. Morning. Uh, just uh, happened to be searching for some sports later in the evening last night, and I stumbled on NBA TV. I don't know if you guys talked about this or not, but watched about 10 seconds left, the uh, Mavericks-Knicks game, and couldn't believe what I watched. And I wish I would have seen it in its entirety. One, for Doncic's masterpiece, you know, 60.20 rebound, never been done. Mm-hmm. But more so, as a Sixers fan, to watch the Knicks collapse the way they did. Yeah, they were down. Yeah, they we- were, the Knicks were up. Nine points with 90 seconds to go, or was 11 points with 90 seconds, seconds to go? 30, 30 seconds, seconds to go. And Dallas came back and ended up winning in overtime. Yeah, I I, I was, Rick, reading. I, I didn't see the game live, so I had to catch up on it. But Luka Doncic, if those who are not familiar with that name, he is one of the best players in the NBA. And last night he had 60 points, 21 rebounds, and 10 assists. Rick, that has never been done before in the history of the league. 
Yep, that's what I said. And it's, it was just – and more importantly, because we're talking about some of the players that are demanding trades and miserable and angry, to see how much fun he was having out there. When he hit that putback to put it into overtime mm-hmm. was just remarkable. So yeah, amazing. Rick, how, how old are you? I'm 58. 58, perfect. I'm 54. And I grew up the, – the person in sports and maybe life I hated the most was Danny Ainge. But that's just because he was a worse version of Larry Bird. Both were vastly, massively talented basketball players and accomplished. So I respect Larry Bird. Do you think that Larry Bird, given the way the NBA has evolved, would be the Luka would be Luka Doncic if he were playing in his prime at this moment? There's elements of his game that are very similar. I think I, I don't know. That's a tough question. You know, it's a, uh, I, I think that uh, he, he could be for sure. I mean, but I just I think he I would be. Th- I think he'd be better. The game has changed too, which makes it so tough. There's everything's ticky tack now. You can't do what you once could. Which it's hard to compare him, certain things. But like it makes that. him. It makes Bird even more, uh, more dangerous. If you can't body Larry Bird, if you can't hack him, if you can't, and you you know the thing that I mean, Bird played on teams with elite interior teammates mm-hmm. so there are a lot of rebounds that would fall to Larry Bird that are falling to Luka Doncic so but anyway I, I enjoyed watching both of them even though I despise Larry Bird Rick, <laughs> give me a uh, a candy that has chocolate in it okay I, I haven't been listening all day I'm a local guy but how about Goldenberger's peanut chews oh Ooh. peanut chews that's where it's at let's give him a spin on that wheel Marcus big fan of peanut chews whether it's the milk or the dark chocolate you can't buy a package of it and not eat the whole thing. Number six, congratulations, Rick. You won a $25 gift card to Boston Market. I'm back, baby. Oh, no. Andy from Deptford. Yeah, like three WIP. hours later. <laughs> Good morning, Andy. Yo, what's up, guys? How we doing? Uh, we're doing all right, Andy. What's going on, man? You, you know what's crazy with the Sixers? They had, they lo- they had an eight-game winning streak going. But, I mean, is that the most irrelevant eight-game winning streak? I mean, who cares about that team? And, well, Andy, I, I wonder about this all the time. Is it because of the frustration that is the Sixers or because we went from a Phillies World Series run right into what the Eagles are doing? I think it's the frustration. I mean, they're capped that second round. They're never going to go any higher than that. And then you got – James Harden's comment, well, fr- what's more frustrating than that is, you guys see his outfit he wore on Christmas Day? <laughs> I look like he's, look like he's skinned the Dr. He, Seuss character. He, he looked like he belonged in the Lorax. What's <laughs> up with that guy? He ain't never going to with that guy. He's like, he like a freaking clown. I know. Uh-huh. So, uh, Andy, I got to ask you. I've been playing these comments all morning long from Nick Sirianni when he was on with Angelo yesterday and what uh, Jonathan Gannon said shortly thereafter. They are, it seems like they are in denial with the whole zone defense thing. They both say, well, you know, 24 for 24, Dak Prescott, but it wasn't zone. I don't care what anybody says. They weren't I, all zone. I think they're trying to cover up for uh, Darius Slay. We're not going to call him Slay because, I mean, come on. Guy ain't had a pick <laughs> since October, making yeah. over 16 mil a season, claiming they're in cover two. If they're in cover two, why is he running with the wide receiver? I know. It, it, to me, yeah. it looks like he just gave up on that play. And he's been real average, I think, this year. The last, well, the last six games, his his numbers are not what they were in the first, you know, eight or so games. He has no picks in his last six. Yeah, I mean, I just, Andy, it does bother Here's me the though. Thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Shut down corners. Follow the best wide receivers 
on other teams, right? True, right. Why doesn't he do that? He's supposed to be a lockdown corner, making all this money, all these accolades, came with all these Pro Bowls, and what's he resort to? A losing mentality, throwing his teammates under the bus. Well, hopefully, uh, Andy, do you think, this has been a big question, do you think someone from the coaching staff or another teammate pulled him aside after they heard his comments? I hope a teammate got in his ass. I hope Jalen Hurts got in him. Like, come on, you can't, you can't be, you can't proclaim yourself a leader and wear that C on your chest, and you're throwing a free agent player that we traded for with his first year on the team. Mm-hmm. Leaders don't act like that. Yeah. Okay. Brian, Brian Dawkins would have never made those kind of comments ever. No, no, dude, Andy, I appreciate it, man. I gotta go. I, I, I 100% agree with you. It's a. Um, at some point, you know, he'll have his time with the media again, whether it's at a practice today, tomorrow, whatever. Maybe, I'm sure it might, I imagine it'll be brought up at least one more time, referenced by something else, uh, and maybe he'll say, listen, I, I made a mistake, something along those lines. I would hope so. John and Allen Towns on WIP. Hey, John. What's going on, John Johnson? I'm doing good, John. How you been? Everything good? Yeah, brother. Hey, listen, I, I love listening to you, to you and Marcus argue on the radio. I almost didn't want to <laughs> want you to take my call so you guys can argue some more. Well, this is cool. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. It's it's <laughs> it makes the morning go by quickly. Well, I know how you are. You're 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 like high energy, you know. And Marcus is back there laying back, but he gave it. He was giving it to you a little bit there, John. Yeah, I was still a little bit disappointed. Yeah, we're well, we're both very headstrong individuals. <laughs> I was giving them the business. Yeah, we're both we're, we're both very headstrong. You know what the business is. Your, right? your defense was about as good as Jonathan Gannon's the other day on third and thirty. Right? Oh, you know what the hell do you want now, John? I just you know my my man. I hope that the Denver Broncos throw a billion dollars at, at Sean Payton mm. to, and hire him so that the Cowboys can hire Jonathan Gannon. Ooh, that would yeah. that would make me so happy <laughs> to see him to see him destroy that defense on the other side. Uh, I mean it, now, it would make my day. Now, John, hold on a minute cuz I have I'm going to go to Marcus now and he's about to disappoint you. Wow. In theory, yeah. that that I, that's just delightful. It warms my heart. Marcus, you pointed out to me, I don't know if it was on the air or during a random commercial break, that you think Jonathan Gannon would be a much better head coach than he is defensive coordinator. Yeah, we were talking about that. Like, if Doug Peterson, for example, I think is a much better head coach than coordinator because he gets too grand. Like, he's kind of nerdy. And that's how Jonathan Gannon is. Like, I think Jonathan Gannon would be an excellent position coach if he's teaching all the time. But the concepts and then the moment, that sort of stuff, that takes a bit of flair. But I think he'd also be a really good administrator because he understands the game and he understands people and he's a spectacular human being. Like every my interactions with him and the interactions of everybody I've I've talked to say he's a really good guy, which reminds me of a lot of people who are really good. Like Andy Reid was that way; he's a better head coach than he was, uh, you know, shadow offensive coordinator. And when he had good people coordinating his offense for him, or has he's been very very good. The teams have been very very good. So. I think Jonathan Gannon, again, great defensive backs coach, great head coach, maybe not as good a defensive coordinator. That said, he's going to get a chance to prove me right. He's going to get hired this offseason, and you know, uh, he's in a great spot right now to market himself. Yeah, that, 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 that uh, prevent defense he runs is really good marketing. 
Well, that prevent defense defense is number two in the league in three different categories. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Every time they run that prevent defense, that prevent defense that prevent defense has them number two in takeaways. It has them number two in passing defense and number two in overall defense and number one in sacks. So say what you like. He's getting a job. Let me ask you a question. They send an extra extra blitzer on third and thirty. And how long does Dak have to throw the ball? Probably a he day and a half because their best yards. blitzer, their best blitzer was hurt, and they pick him up. John, uh, let me I'm get let me get man. let me get you a spin, John. Give me a candy with chocolate in it. Good. You know what? I, I really love the Carmelo bar. The one with the car- caramello, caramello, oh, yeah, oh, I love it. Oh, my goodness, also a good commercial. Oh my god, stretch it out. Oh my god, that, that's going. Come back, on, John, Marcus. cross your fingers. The caramello. I see. I'm not a big. Is it caro nine? Nine. That's uh, Keith Jones' autograph. Is that caramel oh, or caramel, Marcus? I uh, caramello. No, 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 no. What is the what is the oh the, the pronunciation of the ingredient? Yes. Like caramel or caramel? Yes. I'd say caramel. You'd say caramel. Yeah. Oh, I'd say caramel. Who's right? Since, I, no, I only said that because Marcus said the other one. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Up is down, left is right. I do. Jimmy Rollins, not a Hall of Famer. 9494. Nine, when we get back, we're going to run through your calls. I want to clear off this prize wheel. And Hall of Fame voting for baseball going on as we speak. Who did Marcus Hayes select to go into the Baseball Hall of Fame? Any Phillies? We'll find out soon enough. Our time's 940. Final segment of the WIP Morning Show. John Johnson and Marcus Hayes. Quickly. quickly, Angelo in tomorrow. Quickly. What's that? It's generally caramel. It's caramel, not caramel. Not caramel. Right, so we're both we were As wrong. Supposed to Mount Carmel and Carmel by the sea. <laughs> I'm, I'll I'm, call it whatever I want. We'll st- <laughs> thank you, Francisco. What did he say? He said he's going to call it whatever he wants. Well, that's what he called it. Okay, so he was right the first time. <laughs> uh, we're going to get your calls in just a moment. But Marcus Hayes, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame voting going on as we speak. You, sir, have a, val- a ballot. You have a vote. There are four Phillies, or at least in some cases, one-time Phillies, who are on this ballot. Um, I'll go and maybe revert uh, Scott Rowland. Does Scott Rowland deserve to be in the Baseball I Hall mean, of I Fame? I mean, I voted for him last year. I'm going to vote for him again this year. And I think he's going to get in. Mm. I think he's going to get Gr- enough this year. The Griff is already in because of the competitive era committee or something. The competitive era committee. Contemporary. Contemporary. I'm sorry. Contemporary era committee has already voted him in. And they spiked Schilling, Bonds, and Clemens. And Sosa. Billy Wagner, one-time Philly. You know, it's hard for me to vote for a reliever. Like I'm, uh, my 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 voting didn't begin until after Mariano Rivera got in, and I'm glad that happened that way. <laughs> Why will you not vote for a reliever? Because they're failed starters. <laughs> At some point in their so, nobody nobody when they were 12 years old was like, oh, I can't wait to be a relief pitcher in the major leagues. Nobody nobody gets drafted. As a reliever, I, I love the, the the certain hills that you'll stand on, Marcus. Bobby, Bo- like you, you are a definite. You are the definition of somebody who can't pitch six or seven innings. I, if you're, if Mariano <laughs> Rivera could have gone every five days, he'd have been a starter. Oh, okay, all right. Bobby Abreu, just uh, probably the most underrated Philly in history. So you voted for him. And last year, and I'll vote for him again this year. Yeah. Does he have what percent? Do you remember what percentage he got last year? Was it a I very was it enough to remember. get him on the ballot? No, I don't think he'll ever get in. But I, I, I'm a lost cause guy, as you can tell. Um, but I will say this: I looked up a stat yesterday. I wrote a column about it. It'll run tomorrow in uh, in the Enquirer. His 
offensive war. So not even like because I'm talking about uh, David Ortiz, Big Poppy. In his best 10 years, his offensive war was higher than David Ortiz's, which hmm. I think is a fair comparison yeah, because yeah. Poppy was a DH, and I, don't, I didn't vote for him last year as a DH because he's a DH. But if Bobby Abreu's off, if you're an analytics guy, mm-hmm. and his offensive war and his overall war, some guys don't believe in war. Um, if your war is higher than a guy who's in and was, you know, uh, kind of a slam dunk in, then how can you not vote for him? Right. Especially for a guy who wasn't a spectacular fielder, but did win a Gold Glove and played not only played the defense, played almost every day. Hmm. Abreu received eight percent last year, by the way. And finally, I'm hoping for 12. the franchise's all-time hits leader, Jimmy Rollins. Did you, Marcus Hayes, vote for him? Yeah, that was a no-brainer for me. I voted for him last year. I'll vote for him this year. I'll vote for him until he's off the ballot. I hope, I hope, I hope he gains steam because we have some kind of lean year. This is a lean year. You know, I mean, I think I put Sheffield on my ballot this year and not Andrew Jones and neither from last year. But, yeah, it'll uh, – Do you think Jimmy gets in at some point? I don't think so. I mean, he's going to be – he's going to be – Judged next to Jeter and A Rod, yeah, you know, yeah, but it's both, not fair. Both, both Jimmy and Omar Vizquel. Omar Vizquel hit two eighty two as the greatest, the second greatest fielding shortstop in history. Hit two eighty two over like a fifteen year period. Right. That, I mean, that's you. He didn't win anything, but he was part of really great teams. Ken and Paoli's on WIP. How you doing, Ken? I'm doing good, guys. How about yourself? Doing good, Ken. So I uh, I applaud you guys for putting uh, Cowboys fans. On the show, we'll so put two, it's, right? It's fun. It's fun to, it's fun to laugh Saints at. Fan. Oh, so. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. I, listen, Le, Lamont's a good sport. He likes to have his stones busted, and well, you know, he's a, he's a horrible human being because he's a Cowboys fan. <laughs> he right. might be the so. nicest Cowboy fan, though. He's a pretty nice dude. He, yeah, he's been on here so many times. So, and he's sitting there saying that you know, there's no way that we're gonna, you know, that we're gonna win. We're not gonna get to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, I want you guys to do this, right? So, obviously, we lost uh, Maddox. So, which, by the way, that you know, thirty-yard uh, uh, completion wouldn't have happened if he was there. Fifty-two. So we lose Johnson, right? And then, of course, we don't have Hurts. But here we are, right at the at the end of the game, with a backup quarterback. Close your eyes. Think about this. That throw, right, would have won the game. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit less. Just a little bit less of touch, right? And and Brown would have had that ball. It sat in a spot where no Cowboy could get it. And he couldn't quite get it either. But we were that close with all the mistakes, with backups, yeah. with people getting hurt. In Dallas. So winning that game, could you imagine yeah. In Dallas what we on a short week. Saying? Yeah. No, you're, you're right. No, it's, it's, Ken, I, I know like we have fun. We talk about it for four hours. But you're right. I mean, with the backup quarterback and the number of players, including your, your right tackle and the other players that you lost, how you were that close to beating the Cowboys. The backup quarterback on a short week where he missed a day of practice to go to a funeral. Yeah, it's time, it's time to be excited, not to be concerned. Ken, so, let's, even if Hurts doesn't come back. Ken, right? let's, let's you get, listening to Ken here, No, John? I hear him. It's, it's, not, on, it's not a reason well, to be concerned. Even if Hurts doesn't come back, even if he doesn't come back. Well, who knows if he does or he doesn't, right? I, I agree. I'm with you. I'm with we are you. I'm going to win the Super Bowl. Glass right? half full, baby. Okay, Ken, yeah, give me so. let, give me a candy with chocolate in it. How about Baby Ruth? Baby Ooh. Ruth gets you a spin on the prize wheel. Baby Ruth, let's write this bad boy down. Can't remember the last time I had one of those. You can still find them anywhere. Number eight is just coming up way too yeah, much. Yeah, I think we got to recalibrate. Two, three, the four, and five still available, and number ten on the wheel. 
Uh, Matt in, hang on, my mouse mouse isn't working right here. Matt in Westville's on WIP. Hey, Matt. Hey, how you doing? Uh, Marcus, I usually agree with you on things, but I, I can't defend Gannon. I don't care about the stats or anything. It all comes <laughs> down care. to it. I don't Look, care how many games they've won and where they rank. I don't rank. care about the stats. When it comes down to finally that game where we're all just like, you know, we're, we're sick to our stomachs because we're watching it again. I, I can't tolerate it. It, it. It's just, I'm not saying blitz every down. I'm not that old school mentality. I miss Bud Carson, Jim Johnson. I am old school, but safety's not the only blitz you can bring. And you got to bring the linebackers up to help out. Like, you can't just go sit there with four guys in the box and hope for the best. You just can't. All you right. can't play like Matt, that in the playoffs. Matt, you, give, get a, you get a coordinator or a quarterback that understands football, and he is easy pickings for us. There is a, a fear I have, Matt, is a good to great quarterback will we'll do what Dak Prescott did uh, on Saturday night. It is a concern of mine as well. Matt, give me a candy with chocolate in it. Gannon needs to take a big break. How about a York peppermint patty? Oh, oh it's our, been taken. It's been mentioned. I'll give you a second chance at something else. Chunky. Oh, the Chunky Bar. Oh, let's give him a spin on the wheel there, Marcus. The Chunky Bar is a delightful square bar. With raisins in which, it? Which, uh, I don't think there's, no, there's no raisins in it. there's raisins in it. Number eight again. Unbelievable. That's ridiculous. Joe in East Norton. Joe, what's your. <laughs> I think Francisco uh, rigged the board here. Joe, what's your candy with chocolate in it? Uh, push Pops. The Push Oh, wait. Wait, is that chocolate? Push Pop? Does that have chocolate yeah. in it, Joe? Yeah, it has chocolate. Once you know, once you get to the bottom of it, it has nothing but chocolate in the middle of it. Oh, I think he's talking about the ice cream, not the. Oh, not you're the talking about the ice cream. Put does this warrant a small? Okay, what the hell? I'll give you a spin on the wheel. Why not? We're at the end of the show anyway. Uh, it's ice cream, not candy. But if you want, oh, 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 oh number one. Oh, taken. Keith Jones card. Tr. Sorry, Tr. Tr. Give me a uh, a candy with chocolate in it. Uh, Hershey Kiss. Hershey oh. Kiss has not been mentioned. We'll have time to squeeze in one more after we see if TR won a number 11, which is taken. Adam, you are going to be our final caller. Adam, give me a candy with chocolate in it. It had amazing commercials when I was growing up as a kid. I feel it's an underrated candy bar. The Whatchamacallit. <gasps> the Whatchamacallit. I remember those commercials. Man, that's late 80s, early 90s right there. The Reggie Bar. The re- oh, yeah. Number eight again. yet again. Sorry, everybody on hold. Stay tuned. Jody Mack will no doubt be able to take your calls. Francisco Rojas, it's time to do a rap. <laughs> I'm that's trying right. over here. That's man. all right. That's, that's, that's a good bet. Listen, you're multitasking. I am multitasking. All right, so the line of the day is brought to you by, uh, sponsored by Regency Furniture. Affordable, never looks so good. Look, you guys had a lot of interesting uh, debates today, but I'm going all the way back to 620 this morning when you guys said this. They're not the Wonkas, although so they didn't manufacture No, no, the, but although there is you're that kind of like company. an Oompa Loompa. That's not right. We're done here. <laughs> but I love <laughs> Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> Jerk. Oh, yes. Guilty as charged. All right. What's the final read on our Twitter poll question? There, All right. So the final read here on the Twitter question is brought to you by Armin Chevrolet. Armin Chevrolet's red tag year-end event ends soon. Visit ArminChevy.com. Find new roads to Armin Chevrolet. Closer than you think. So the last result here to end the show, do you fear the Eagles are a, a one-and-done playoff team. Uh-huh. And it comes in at no at 75% and 75. yes at 25. So one and four feel they're one-and-done. I was, I was curious to see how that poll would pan out. Well, thanks to Marcus Hayes, uh, Nick Coppola, right? Did I get that right? Nick Coppola, our new production assistant. And it's not producer. Coppola. 
Damn I forget. It. Coppola. I forget. I call it, him Nick Carmel. Nick Nick Carmel. Congratulations. <laughs> no. Nick, I believe it's Nick Coppola. Francisco Rojas Engineering. Stay tuned. By the way, Angela will be back tomorrow. I'll be with Angela Min for Al. And then I will be uh, doing this uh, morning show on Friday as well. But stay tuned. Jody Mack coming up next. Have a wonderful Wednesday, everybody. See ya.